0: Mr. Pop, eat. Eat.
1: Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them through, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world, that's the and the man in the moon.
2: Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game, I'm Dane. I'm Dan, and I'm Ben. And today we're going to talk about the player cards in the newest Mythos pack
0: and the last pack for the Dreamers and the Dream Eaters. Where the gods dwell. Let me uh, let me ask you guys an important question: If you were gods, where would you dwell? That's a very good question. I I assume I assume that if Ben was a god, he would be the god of pizza, and he would
1: dwell inside a giant pizza floating in space. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what is there some type of giant pizza oven that I can just eat the pizza in? I want it to be in the oven though. That'd be hot. In the no, zone. I mean, I
0: I just feel like you would you would dwell in a giant perpetually hot pizza with very little tomato sauce. Is is what I assume? Yeah, I mean, the case. you don't need to
1: have any tomato sauce really, but you know.
0: Yeah, that's that's the undesired part. I don't know, Dane. What would you be the god of? Where where would you dwell? Maybe like cats. <laughs> I don't know. Help help me out here. Isn't Dane horribly allergic to cats? I am allergic to cats. Yeah, we, we just cats. found that out. Dane lives with like four cats and is allergic to all of them. So, In varying um, degrees, yeah. I actually know a lot of people that have cats that are also allergic to cats. Maybe just them. a realm of like dogs all over the place. <laughs> That'll never die. Sounds really bad. Uh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> what about you, Dan? If I was a god, I would want to be the god of friendship and I would dwell with. you you two my greatest friends in a in a realm of friendship podcasting that's that's where i would dwell that's like right next to the realm of dogs what a coincidence no i okay never mind i I changed my (laughs) answer uh i i want to dwell on whatever the opposite side of the universe is from the dog planet uh that's that's my new answer
1: dan you've left me empty i assumed to be in some type of like shape that constantly changed or something then only you knew the shape or something didn't you get a degree in shapes? I thought you were a doctor of shapes. It would basically
0: be like the ending of 2001. I would just do that forever. <laughs> I would just be in like the beard room with the French furniture, getting old and looking at the monolith. I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> that'd, yeah, that'd, that'd be great. I would, I would totally do that. That sounds that sounds more along the lines of what would happen. In the meantime, though, I, I see a, a stack of cards here that need to be discussed by us. So I'm going to go ahead and read the first one of these cards, or maybe the first two of these cards. Gasp. So we have a guardian asset, level 4, cost 1, called Empty Vessel. It's unique. It has a will icon and a wild icon. It is an item, relic, and blessed. Limit 1 per deck. Uses 0 charges. 0 charges? What? Reaction, after you defeat an enemy, place 1 charge on Empty Vessel. Oh, okay. Free action, if there are at least 3 charges on Empty Vessel, search your bonded cards for Wish Eater and swap it with Empty Vessel, moving all charges from Empty Vessel to Wish Eater and it takes up an accessory slot. The bonded card for this is Wish Eater, which is a asset, its unique uh, item relic and blessed. Reaction, when you reveal a skull, cultist, tablet, or elder thing chaos token during a skill test, spend one charge, cancel that chaos token, heal one damage and one horror. Forced, if Wish Eater has no charges, search your bonded card for Empty Vessel and swap it with Wish Eater, and like Empty Vessel, it still takes up an accessory slot. So that's kinda that's kinda interesting. Sort of like a you know swapping back and forth between like modes A and B. Like it, it starts empty, you fill it up to three charges, and then it transforms into like the active version, then you use it up and it swaps back to the empty version. So it kinda like pings back and forth.
1: Yeah, like charges itself and then you get a benefit, and you charge again. Seems like a pretty solid card, right? I don't think there's any investigators that really like to be able to constantly heal themselves, right? so that part's when it's cool yeah
0: especially not you know doing that while also killing things that's yeah maybe maybe someday we'll see an investigator like that it is interesting that you know kind of like some of the other cards we've seen recently like hungering blade this does work especially well in dream eaters where there's swarms of things that you can defeat a lot of at once yeah like if there's a swarm of three things and you manage to hit them all you know you could probably charge this up in a single turn
1: yeah So, like, yeah, this is good for, like, Mark, who, like, wants to constantly take damage and heal himself, right? Yeah. Uh, Maybe a little bit more than the other Guardians. But most of the Guardians like to be able to soak damage from other people and then be able to heal.
0: So that's one way to think about it, and I I do agree. I think depending on the campaign, if the spooky symbols are bad enough, then this could be a thing that is worth playing kind of more for that reason. Mm. Like, if you're in something like, you know, some of these scenarios we've seen, the Cultist is like... You know, draw again if you fail, put a doom on something, that's pretty horrible. Or like the elder thing will be like, you know, draw again if you fail discard your hand or some ridiculous nonsense like that.
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. My eyes glazed over the cancel that chaos token effect. Right.
0: Like if you're if, if you're in a scenario or a campaign where there's bad enough tokens, then this is almost worth playing for that reason.
1: Yeah. Other than Guardians, uh it's a blessed and it's a relic, so and it has used charges, so like uh Ursula and Apache
2: <laughs> can all use it. I was going to retort by saying that Ursula can't kill things, but she. A lot of people like using bow on her. Yeah, and she has access to the best weapon in the game, M- M- Melteroni. So, like, she can definitely melt things. She doesn't have a great
1: alternative for her next slot, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, she like... has a
0: lot of great alternatives because she can play Relics and a lot of a, a uh, lot of good Nexer Relics. Arguably one of the best selections in the game of, of people who have
2: selections for things.
0: That's like the only reason that I would maybe a, a little bit hesitate to play it in her is just because she does have a lot of alternatives. And this is limit one per deck, which is really too bad. But I think it's, it's definitely worth thinking about if you're playing like Bo, Ursula. Um, Diana can't take this, can she? No. That's kind of too bad because it would be a source of canceling things for her.
1: Wouldn't be good for her because it would eat the Wish Eater underneath, get tucked underneath her. But <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. Rudy said Carolyn can't take this, right? Yeah, Carolyn cannot take it, no. right? Yeah,
2: because she can, she could technically take
1: the Wish Eater side of it, but yeah, the bond it doesn't matter. Sad, sad day for <sighs> like a a fighting Akachi can use this because it starts with an extra charge on it, right? It's from the zero, it starts as one, so she builds up a little bit faster.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe like Combat Akachi, especially like if you're playing Shriveling level five where the skull, where those spooky tokens are like take two horror, you know, being able to cancel one of those is sort of nice. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I go back to what I said, which is I think great for Mark, possibly good for other guardians in varying degrees, good for potentially any guardian if the chaos bag is, if the spooky tokens are bad enough. So, you know, that that's some good reasons to play this. One last thing about this
2: card. I'm going to shout out directly to Matt Newman himself who probably designed this card. I'm hoping that this is a direct reference to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure.
0: Oh my god, are we going to do this? In the
2: second season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure... Spoilers. There is a red stone of Asia that looks almost exactly the same, that functions almost exactly the same, where it essentially turns you into the uh, most powerful being on the planet. And it is a jewel of the gods. So
0: I'm just positing this, if Matt Newman is listening... Uh, we know that Matt likes himself some anime, so that 's that 's a possibility. Dane made me watch a significant chunk of this show at one point, and I stared blankly at the screen for a long period of time <laughs> and uh was very very confused by it. It was
2: definitely not a significant chunk. it was probably about the first season it
0: wasn 't a good anime it wasn 't um a
1: fully coolie level anime
0: or whatever It really transcends the idea of like good or bad it 's just it's it 's you know as the title suggests it is bizarre. You know, I think that's a that's a very plausible theory, Dane. For for what the inspiration for this was,
1: I would bet my lucky knickers on it. Yeah, it's uh, maybe a surprising find. It's awful. I, I, what? Re,
0: read the next card. <laughs> 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 All
1: right, let's uh, let's move on to the next card, Dane. You wanna wanna go over it? The next card is called "Surprising Find." It is
2: a Seeker skill card, uh, level one. It commits for one wild symbol. It is a fortune and a research. It is also a myriad card. Triggered ability. When you search your deck and surprising find is among the searched cards, put it into play in your play area. You must commit it to the next eligible skill test you perform. If that skill test is successful, draw one card. And then max one research ability per search.
0: So this goes along
2: with the Sounding Revelation and Mandy's uh, signature, right?
0: I mean, I I would argue that it kind of competes with those because there's probably... It does. It
2: does. Definitely. There's
0: probably a certain percentage of your deck that you maybe want to be research cards, depending on how reliably you are searching for things. And you probably don't want to just load up your entire deck with research cards because they're quite bad if you draw them. Right, right, right.
2: I think that that's why they designed Mandy so that she can have up to 50 cards in her deck. Because they know that somebody is going to be thirsty to get all of the
0: possible myriad cards in that deck. Yeah, they definitely they designed her so that she could, if she wanted to, put all of the mediocre cards in her deck and make her deck really big. Absolutely.
1: This one's not as bad as the other research cards in that. Like, if you draw it, you still are just committing. Yeah, you commit it for the symbol, and you don't get the card draw off of it, right? Yeah. Well, well, if you find it, the research it basically you're forced to commit to the next test and you get a card draw if it's successful.
0: Yeah. I really, I don't love the force to commit it to the next test thing just because I feel like a lot of times you're going to commit it to something where you don't really need the symbol. Maybe. I mean, I think what we're kind of getting at with this is I think that this is arguably more interesting in Min than in Mandy because Min likes like single question mark cards because she can use her ability and turn them into like two question mark cards, which are good and also drawing cards is is good, right? It's just it's kind of weird because I feel like you want to have a lot of like searching rather than drawing in your deck in order to be able to use this as a research card instead of just getting it in your hand. But then this gives you draw, right? Like like with Mandy, you you basically like you only draw one card per turn but then you search a lot. With Min, I feel like you usually draw a lot and don't search very much. So it's there's this kind of weird like trade-off there.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean Min makes use of Rook but and can use other search cards, She's just not as like as efficient as Mandy is at searching.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I mean and, and Min also probably plays Eureka or can play Eureka, so like you can still get like Mr. Rook and Eureka, and that's like a fair amount of searching.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to think of who else would actually benefit from playing this over the sounding revelation, which I think is the one that gives you two resources or a secret. Otherwise, I feel like like maybe Roland I'm not honestly sure, because there aren't a lot of search effects that do great things. Maybe if you're running uh, Tetsuo and the wep- the thing that allows you to tutor for
0: weapons, that kind of stuff. Like, that's a stretch. Uh, yeah, or like, I guess with Arcane Initiate, if you're you're tutoring every turn, you have a decent shot to see it.
1: Yeah, Daisy could use, like, Arcane Initiate and, like, Old Book of Lore. She does a lot of searching like that.
0: That's true. Or even, like, Luke. I don't know if Luke plays Arcane Initiate, but if he did, you know, he could play Yeah, Luke, Luke could do
1: the same thing. Uh, I just kind
0: of think, though, that... Um, this this is pretty bad if you draw it. Like a single a card that's just a single question mark and nothing else is like half of a courage. It's just it's you'd rather have just about any other card than this if you draw it, right? Yeah. So I feel like you want to be pretty. You want to be like a lot more likely to research this than to draw it if you're going to play it. And I I just I can't really see anyone besides Mandy and maybe Min being able to do that, but. I don't know. I mean, maybe as more cards come out, like maybe at some point, yeah, maybe someone will be able to play like Tetsuo or um, Research Librarian, like, you know, Daisy or somebody like maybe there'll be some build that does a lot of searching some other way that like finds a good way to use this. Maybe we'll see. I like the idea of using it in like a
2: deck where you're trying to do like one big investigation, like the glyphs deck. Maybe you could use that in min somehow and like use glyphs and then have a surprising find like queued up for when you go to investigate a a location with a bunch of shroud so you can get a whole ton of clues off of
0: it at once or something yeah maybe any anything else to say about a surprising find
1: i was trying to figure out if it could fit well into like a dream serum deck or not but you don't really want to have a bunch of it in your hand so right right yeah i am uh i am glad to see more
0: research cards especially because you know research might be uh an ability that's kind of specific to this cycle so we might not see any more of it in the future so i'm glad that we're kind of Seeing a little bit more before it potentially goes away, but yeah, I don't know. I I wish this was a little bit more Mandy appropriate, but like I said, I'm still glad to see additional research cards.
2: I would love to see some like numbers on the most effective number of research triggers in a deck at any given time. You know what I mean? Like if 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 there were like some calculated effort to figure out like what the best number of these research cards are because i know that it ultimately comes down to variance is is how how good these cards can be and i think that even astounding revelation is kind of hindered if you put three in your deck because sometimes you're just going to draw them and it's going to be kind of one book and that's kind of fine sometimes but like most of the time you definitely don't want that happening you'd rather draw something like i don't know unexpected courage or something
0: it it, it definitely does depend on how how you know decent is the backup plan if you do end up drawing one and how worth it is the plan if you get to research it but yeah i don't know anecdotally i kind of feel like in a 30 card Mandy deck having like three research cards kind of feels right usually uh maybe four yeah but you know maybe maybe two somewhere in there but yeah no seeing some numbers on that would be interesting should we move on
1: to the next card yeah let's take a look at the next card say seeker card Uh, That we've seen before old book of lore hey welcome back this is a level three version uh it's a cost two asset with a willpower and intellect commit icon it's an item in a tome and it has a uses two secrets action exhaust old book of lore choose investigate your location that investigator searches the top three cards of their deck for a card draws it and shuffles their deck Uh, Same as the original version, but additionally, uh, then you may spend one secret to have that investigator immediately play that card and reduce its cost by two. It takes up a hand slot. So this was
2: this was in the core set.
1: Yeah, the original was in the core set because it was a it was a pretty key daisy card back when the pool was pretty pretty small. I mean, still is a solid daisy card. It grew up. I
0: still think of this as kind of like a daisy like kind of signature card in a sense because I I don't think anybody else really plays it very much. I guess some some mandy decks play it, but uh. The new uh, tome of prophecies is kind of a competitor for it, but I, th- I still think that Daisy decks play this a lot and get a lot of use out of it. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's interesting to see a higher level version of it. I love the cost reduction.
2: I think that three is kind of like a lot to ask for for an asset. It's generally like you're kind of committing to a center piece of your of your rig, so to speak. But two is is a great cost to pay for for a lot of things. And old book of lore getting like a discount in that way is fantastic. The extra accessibility is like really, really good. And I think that it could, if somebody wanted to put in it into a uh, Mandy deck, I know that Old Book of Lore is, is something that people can play in Mandy just because it does give her the opportunity to spend an action every single turn to put two cards into her hand. Doesn't need Mr. Rook or anything like that. And this, this would even be better because you're kind of circumventing twice needing to, to play something after that. You can kind of automatically put something into play, which is fantastic
0: question for rules master ben Uh if mandy uses this and she doubles she resolves an effect twice so she gets to choose two cards out of the three that she looked at does she can she spend both secrets on the same use and do the second part of it for both
1: of the cards that she picks uh maybe actually (laughs) Yeah, it's,
0: I think it's it's very it's confusing worded. The whole yeah. card refers to a single card, <laughs> and then her effect doubles the cards. Because imagine imagine like turn one, you play this for two, you immediately use it, you look at the top three, you pick out two more things that you want to get out early, yeah, like an ally and like some you know something else, some event or something. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think that works because uh, I'm pretty sure like the uh calling in favors works like that, where mm. you get to play both cards at like the discount. Oh yeah. Oh that's right yeah, this is, this is a little this is a word a little bit differently, but i think I think that would work yeah, I don't know. I mean you'd have to have a pretty specific set of three cards that you look at for
0: that to be worth using both at once, but it is it would be very feel really great to do that yeah no i I'm excited to give this a try in Daisy because I like Daisy a lot, and I think that this is very great for Daisy. I'm not sure if I would play it in other decks, but it's at least worth it's at least worth thinking about,
2: yeah, I really like things that when they come with charges it kind of comes as a secondary bonus effect rather than just like needing to use the charge no matter what this you get the old book of lore action and then on top of that you get the additional secret usage if you feel like it like if you find something good you can say oh great you know i have uh milan here and i can play him this turn so i can spend the secret to do so um so you don't ever have to commit to it this
1: does kind of come uh, nicely with astounding revelation right that can give you secrets back that's right, yeah, so yeah, like yeah. you ser- you search your deck, you find that to get in the secret, and then you can play the other card at a reduced cost. It's so like net you get you get cards out of your deck and you reduce the cost of your card uh, uh, eh, and you save resources, which seems pretty good, yeah, but yeah pretty pretty neat upgrade to uh, a book, which, as you all know, books are still very dangerous, so you know, <laughs> of course, you know, be cautious, uh moving on to the
0: next card, we have a rogue card, it's an asset. Cost 2, level 2. It's called Garrot Wire. It is an item and a weapon, uh, and it has a free action during your turn. Exhaust Garrot Wire. Fight. You get plus 2 combat for this attack. Use only on an enemy with exactly one remaining health. Takes up an accessory slot. Wow, an accessory slot that's uh, a weapon. Very strange. So cool. Uh, what do we think about this? Inter- interesting. Yeah, I like the flavor of this a lot. So cool. It's just so neat. It's also cool that the the art, the the wire is just sitting on top of a piano.
2: Yeah. So honestly, the first time I saw this card, I did not even read the any any of the text whatsoever. I didn't see that it was an accessory slot. I thought it was just a piano. I was like, this is great. There's a piano in this game now. 10 out of 10. (laughs) But it is the thing on top of the piano. So a grout wire is something that's used by like assassins and things, right? I know I remember like playing Hitman when I was much younger. And that was kind of like the base thing that you have. And you like kind of come up behind people and strangle them and stuff like that so this is definitely rated m for mature oh yeah
0: yeah absolutely rated rated m for mature uh kids stop listening to the podcast right now don't be fooled by the piano go do your homework don't do drugs um <laughs> but like uh yeah or maybe you remember the uh famously at the end of the godfather where he's like killing all of the family's enemies right it's the dude in the, like the front seat of the car and they like get him with the wire from behind oh yeah
1: yeah 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 oh, all yeah. right we get the point it's uh it's very good at killing people yeah uh- <laughs> rated m for mature <laughs> Yes, this is like a weird way to ping something, right? Sort of.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, like the the automatic target for this is cultists, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like cultists have one health. You want to kill them very fast. Being able to kill them without spending an action is the reason why. Uh, Things like beat cop level two are great. Things like uh, Agnes's pinging ability is really great it's it's you know alice uh it's 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 things like that like if if you can you know run across the map to get to a cultist and then barely manage to kill them before your turn ends that's often a very productive thing to do
1: yeah i guess it's not quite as good as pinging because it's still a fired action so it wouldn't work on aloof enemies so you can use it to kill birds or right
0: yeah whippoorwills and stuff like that that's that's very true. It's also, it's rough that it takes up an accessory slot in green because it's competing with the cigarette case, which is great. You know, uh, some characters that can use it, it's competing with Rabbit's Foot and things like that as well. So that's a little unfortunate.
2: Yeah. I think that's kind of the biggest hindrance because when we talked about Tony in the Rogues episode, um, one big thing to note was that he can trigger Lucky Cigarette Case pretty much every single turn. And that's kind of like his draw economy for most of the game. Yeah. So this directly competes with that. If you're going to get Grotwire. It would need to be. I think it would need to be supplemented somehow. Maybe with with some other form of draw. I can't really think of anything in in like specific. Relic right. hunter just play both. sure, yeah. Or or you could get a relic hunter and and kind of justify them both. I, I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's actually great. An actionless fight is great.
0: Yeah, because it's also it's not just for killing cultists. It's also for an enemy with three health. You shoot it once, and then you it to finish it off yeah. without spending an action. Yeah. Right. So I, I so I think like. If there's a lot of, if your primary weapon is doing two damage and there's a lot of enemies that have an odd amount of health, then this is going to do a lot of work for you. I kind of thought about trying to play this in Wendy, but the problem is her her combat is so low that I think the plus two from this is still not enough. Like, I think you're still going to have trouble killing cultists with it.
2: Also, Wendy's at home because this is rated M for mature.
0: Come on. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wendy's not even allowed to know what this does. It's too dangerous <laughs> and scary for her. I
2: think Wendy's seen some shit. I don't know.
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though combat wendy is coming well uh you can combine it with versatile uh premonition wendy right and then you'll always know when you can <laughs> activate this to kill the cultists because you'll know what token you're gonna draw when you
2: can strangle people as a tiny girl i mean Bo, Bo wendy is already a thing right yeah and she can hire people to to murder <laughs> yeah. things on a train two cars ahead of her that is true so what's to stop her from murdering a
0: cultist from behind with uh an illegal uh weapon <laughs> That's the other thing about this is like, I, I, this is probably too good to be a level zero card, but it's too bad because this would be a great thing to adaptable in for scenarios with cultists. I think it would honestly be too good. (laughs) It'd be be very, very good. It'd be be great. Yeah. Just a little, a little too great. I'm just
2: wondering how this happens with a swarm of rats. Like, do you just, do you just like strangle all of the rats
0: individually or is it you like kind of herd them together? Like, how does that work? But uh yeah, really cool flavor on this one, really cool idea. I can't like offhand think of like which deck I definitely would play this in. Like I guess probably like Tony with Relic Hunter so that you can still play cigarette case is kind of the main one I can think yeah. of. But it's such a cool card. I mean, even Leo benefits, right? Larry Anderson. Yeah, and it's it's helpful enough in certain situations that I think we'll we'll come back to this. Like we'll we'll find places to use this and it'll be really sweet. Yeah. Great card, I think. Uh, speaking of great cards, though, oof, let's let's talk about this next one.
2: Let's talk about this fantastic card. <laughs> I'm very excited about this card. This is Delilah O'Rourke, Syndicate Assassin. She is a three-cost rogue asset, level three. She commits for one combat and one agility. She is an ally, criminal, syndicate. You get plus one combat and plus one agility. And then fast action, exhaust Eliza O'Rourke and spend X resources. Choose an enemy at your location. Deal one damage to the chosen enemy. Two damage instead if that enemy is exhausted. X is the chosen enemy's evade value. She has
0: three health and two sanity. And she takes up your ally slot. It's really, uh, it's really interesting that she is a criminal, but she's not illicit. That That's relevant.
2: You know, I was just thinking, why isn't Garoud Wire illicit? That's literally illicit in the United States. <laughs> Is it? I mean,
0: I guess it's just like a wire with handles on the end of it. Like, how do you... Is that illegal? I don't know. But, like, man. Man. But Bottom line, great Lola card. Level 3. Passive <laughs> bonus to two stats. I mean, this is what the Lola people have been waiting
1: for, right? It's exactly this. <sighs> I think so. You're welcome, Lola players. I mean... <laughs> You can't trigger her passive ability easily without risk as Lola. Oh, of course but. not. You're playing Lola. But I mean, like, you know, you <laughs> still... Is still a good passive bonus. Like, if your rogue, rogue subclasses as, as as Lola, you get Charisma, so you get Delilah, you get Lulu, and you get Leo, right?
0: Right. Super friends Lola with mostly green stuff. I mean, you and know.
1: Expertly, don't be in green when you draw your weakness. You'll have a good time,
2: right? So, like, when we think of reasons to play rogue, this is now one of the cards that comes to mind. This, uh, Lulu Santiago, Leo, these are the allies that, like, needed, well, her and Lola are the ones that needed to combat uh, Leo for, like, the best allies, because Leo was just so unequivocally good for a very long time that now we suddenly have a really good option for clues, now we have that option for damage. Tony Morgan, welcome, <laughs> welcome your your BFF for the remainder of the time here in in Arkham Land, uh, I don't think that you would ever want any other ally, maybe other than Leo, to, to hang out with. Uh, she is so unbelievably good. Even for, I have, like, a combat fin deck that I've been using in uh, Return to Carcosa. She's stellar for that deck. She's absolutely perfect for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still pretty skeptical about the, like, combat fin. I know Dane's been trying that recently, and it seems, sounds like it's been going well. If, I mean, this is literally the perfect card that you would design for that deck. So... Maybe maybe it does push that deck to be to be better. And even, I think that compared to that sort of Combat Fin build, I think that Tony is not going to get quite as much out of it because he is not going to use the agility as much and he's probably not going to evade things as much. But even just for the strength bonus and like pinging things, it is still great for him. So I think that there's probably a lot of green characters that can use this.
1: Uh, they can use at least a part of this because it does so much. Does Combat Fin use his strength... I thought he was using, like, his bow. Not really, no. I mean, I know that people can use... People have
2: built combat Finn with, like, combat. So more using, like, Lupara and Sleight of Handing things in. But I didn't think, like, starting... Starting out of three, combat is really rough. So I felt like going with the bow and using uh, agility, like, like things like Hatchet Man into bow would be, like, four damage. And that's pretty primo. I mean, Finn also has just a free evade action, which is exactly what you want with Delilah. You could just, like, free evade something benefit from pickpocketing benefit from lucky cigarette case and then trigger delilah o'rourke to use the money that you just got from your pickpocketing to murder something yeah that's true That's definitely true it's like really good
0: you you are gonna need a steady stream of money though especially if you're using this and and lulu at the same time like those are those both do cost money
1: it might be kind of hard to use both of those i guess it depends on what you're doing if you're going for a big money deck you might have enough money yeah like preston or jenny or something i was gonna say this is good for skids skids needs combat and agility yeah and he usually wants to lean towards a money build anyway. Yeah, I was thinking about that as well.
0: I'm actually, when we, I assume we're eventually going to do like an all rogues run at some point. And I almost kind of want to play Skids and do like a fighty Skids build. Because I feel like because Skids, you're right, he starts at three combat, which is not great. We talked about that in a recent episode. But, you know, if he gets, he gets this, he gets a B cop, he gets the tarot card. Like he, there's enough guardian cards that boost his strength plus there's this plus he can prioritize weapons that give like a higher than plus 1 combat bonus. I mean, you know, might, might might be kind of fun.
2: Yeah. I mean, two stat boosts is like always something to to pause and think about for a while, right? And on top of that, you get this really good synergy with uh with what rogues generally are pretty good at, which is evading things. Even like Preston could use this if he wanted to fight things. Like I know that I used Lulu Santiago a lot when I was playing Preston basically because that's all he has. To, he he relies on his allies to do things for him. So this Delilah and uh, Lulu and Leo being like the suite for Preston is like incredible for him because he has so many options as to, in terms of like he could ping cultists after using decoy to evade them,
0: things like that. So I think that she's, she's fantastic card. There's a lot of different ways you can go with Preston, it seems like, but some of those, this is definitely going to be very strong.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would... I would also emphasize that, like, there's other options, I guess, if you don't need benefiting from the combat, right? Like, the plus one to two stats is great, but you want to make sure, like, you're actually using those two stats. It's like, what, Cat Burglar, if it gives you plus one agility? <laughs> you know, that's cheaper.
0: Yeah, but but I just feel like if, you, if you're planning on fighting things with combat, then being able to do some, like, one extra damage for free and getting a strength bonus in green it makes it worth it. On yeah. the other hand, if you're planning to use agility and evade things, then having a way to actually finish things off once they're evaded without spending an action is excellent. So I kind of feel like this card does a couple of different things and most green characters other than like Safina are going to want to use at least one of them, if not both.
1: Alright, that's fair.
0: Um but yeah, seems seems like a really good card. Gonna be gonna be fun to try this out.
2: Yeah. I mean the cherry on top is that she could just take so much punishment. Like three health and two sanity is great. That's B-Cop stats.
1: All right, so let's take a look at the next card or uh, pair of cards. Uh, We have a mystic asset called Summoned Hound. It is a level 1 cost 3 asset uh, with an intellect and a combat commit icon. Uh, It's an ally and a summon. As an additional cost to play Summoned Hound, you must search your bonded cards for one copy of Unbound Beast and shuffle it into your deck free trigger during your turn except during an action exhaust summoned hound fight slash investigate either attack with a base uh, combat skill of five or investigate with a base intellect skill of five Uh, has three health no sanity and it takes up an ally and a spell slot Uh, and then the unbound beast is a weakness Uh, three combat three agility three health it's bonded to the summoned hound prey bearer Hunter retaliate revelation. If there's no copy of Summon Town in play, set Unbound Beast aside out of play. Otherwise, set Investigator of Summon Town aside out of play and spawn Unbound Beast and engage with the same Investigator. It does it damage in a, a horror. So basically, the, uh, the theme of this card is great. I love it. Like you summon some horrible monster and it eventually betrays you, <laughs> right? Because it, it escapes escapes its magical chains or whatever. Just
0: look at it, right? Like you should have known.
1: Yeah. The effect on this is like very powerful, up upping your base skill. Oh yeah, is
2: is it though? I mean, it's actionless. You don't need to spend an action to do it. That's why it's so good.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a free action fight or investigate. I, mean, I feel like the investigate is obviously a little bit stronger than because uh, it'll get one clue versus doing one damage. But so I guess it's really tough because it takes up a spell slot
2: in a, in a, in the class that wants to play spells.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I kind of had like a flashback to when we talked about Empower Self in the last pack, where this has some of the same issues, where it is a mystic card that's above level zero, which means that really limits who can play it, but then in addition to that, it also takes up a spell slot like Empower Self, which means a lot of mystics will rather play other things, but then in addition to that, it also takes up an ally slot, which everyone pretty much wants to use, so... I don't know like i feel like it, it just it really would have to do a lot to be worth to, for it to find a place in a mystic deck that can play upgraded mystic cards that is willing to pay an ally slot and a uh sp- an arcane slot to use it
1: i think it could be stronger and as an off-class use like uh caroline can use it patrice can use it i don't know if daisy would want to use it but yeah uh, i was
0: definitely thinking about patrice as like maybe potentially the person that would but man, Patrice already has so many weaknesses in her deck, and like so many enemies.
1: I think like the fun thing about this card is like trying to use other cards to put it into play without actually playing it, so you don't put the Unbound Beast <laughs> in your deck. Like you can use um ch- a Chance Encounter level two, I think, lets you like play it from your discard pile. So like Patrice could do that, uh, type of combo. That would be pretty cool. I'm sure, there's other people that can do similar th- similar things, but like being able to avoid getting that Unbound Beast in is uh, kind of neat. It's also not unique, so like I guess you, if you had charisma, you could have two of them out if you wanted. I don't know. It's a health soak, so there's that aspect. Like a lot of mystics have lower health, so they can soak a little bit if they want. That's a good point too. I, don't know, I think it's very interesting. I like the art.
2: I like the idea of using this in a specific deck where you have like friends who can deal with things, like Yorick who could like bury it deep, or like Tony who who like wants to bounty things and like murder things. I like the idea of like having a deck that that can uh, synergize in that way with another friend.
0: You just like dogs. I do. <laughs> and you like spooky, uh, spooky quarter shit. So this is really completely up your alley.
1: I think the effect is very good for Patrice though. Cause that's like basically a, it's a free action. She already like has a bunch of stuff to like pump up all our skills on top of making it like a, a base of five. That I means she'll be like, he's probably be able to pass the test pretty easily.
0: Yeah. I could, I could definitely see it in, um, Patrice. The only other way I could sort of think about it is, uh, Seeker's, generally have other things they want to use their ally slots on like Mr. Rook or whatever. But maybe like Daisy with Melteroni. It's like if the if the unbound beast pops up, you just melt it. <laughs> you just melt his face off. But it it's just like is it worth is it worth it to basically have an extra action each turn to investigate? Like that is quite good, but is it just worth the kind of hassle of dealing with the with the weakness and stuff? Like yeah maybe, I don't know. Uh but definitely for Patrice, I like I like Ben's idea of trying to like get it out without actually playing it. Any uh, anything else to say about this space dog made out of
1: made out of triangles? Space dog. Did you mention the art? I like it a lot. Pretty pretty good art. Like it's got you can see in the first one there's some person holding it on like a leash or whatever, and then that leash is like destroyed in the enemy. Yeah. Image, like it's broken apart. You know, I like how on the player card version of it it's
0: sort of like a profile and then on the enemy it's like coming right at you, like jumping off the card to try to eat your face. That's pretty good. It's a lot more threatening. I like dogs. It's kinda of like an experience of the vet yeah i imagine it is Uh, i imagine this is what dog heaven is like uh, where where dane would live if he was a god (laughs) for now though uh let's move on to the only survivor card in this pack which is a, a zero cost level three event called nothing left to lose it has a question mark icon on it and it is a spirit and it says if you have fewer than five resources gain resources until you have five resources if you have fewer than five cards in your hand draw cards until you have five cards in your hand remove nothing left to lose from the game and the art is patrice uh walking on a like ice bridge in the in, in a spooky area i guess is that am i, am I right I don't, I don't know i assume she's like
1: in the dreamlands or something she,
0: she's almost kind of holding her violin like she's about to hit something with it so that'll be <laughs> that'll be interesting yeah this is like this is like super madame lebranche right this is like um you know queen lebranche or something
1: Madame Lebranche's last ride. This is very—it's a very confusing card. I don't. It's I, an interesting card. I don't know how well it synergizes with like Dark Horse or builds that make you discard a lot of cards. Let me phrase that. It doesn't really synergize that well, Dark Horse, but it probably does synergize with builds that make you that you want to discard cards a lot because you can give this to refill yourself really quickly.
0: Yeah, like maybe if you're playing, maybe the idea is that if you have something that lets you discard cards for value, like Cornered you can dump your whole hand and then play this and restock it, right? Yeah. But it's just too bad that the kind of patron saint of Cornered, Patrice, probably doesn't actually want this despite the fact that she's in the art because if she draws a whole bunch of cards, she's just going to lose them at the end of the turn anyway,
1: right? Yeah, I'd assume she'd like to use the resource part of it more than the card draw part of it. Because even if she's like running like double-cornered or whatever, it's she probably can't like bleed through like eight cards in a turn.
0: I mean, it does. It does just. It does just get you through your deck faster if you're looking for something specific. Like if if you're like the first time through my deck, my only goal is to get two corners down, and then I want to go as fast as possible to do that. But even then, you have to like draw this and not have a cornered in, in the rest of your hand, and then you have to like play this and still have time and money. Still, you still have to not have cards in your hand. In yeah, to... like I think it's just awkward. Like I I I don't. It's it's annoying because she's on the art and it's a cool idea, but like I don't think I'd play this in Patrice. Unless you really need the money, as Ben said, like maybe if it's, you know, just about getting money.
1: I think like if you're doing a Patrice that has like a couple expensive assets, like having this in your deck to like be able to fill back up to five. So that next time you get an expensive asset, you can play it and then be like, oh, I only have two resources and I have right of Seeking or something. And I want to play it this turn before it goes away. I played
2: Patrice through a new, uh, recent run and I used Cornered and I think that that's kind of like the hallmark of Patrice with her violin. It's just incredible. I found that I was just at a deficit of actions to ever use this card effectively. Because once I do two tests, I pitch four cards to to corners, getting plus four to them. And then like if this were fast, it would allow me to do that again. Um, but it's not. So like you just lose the cards that you get anyway. So I feel like this is rather than thinking of it as a Patrice card, it it makes other investigators into Patrice, in that once you pitch all your stuff, it's kind of, like, mandatory for Dark Horse builds or maybe Cornered builds who aren't Patrice. Because it allows you to, once you pitch all your cards to Cornered for the turn and you have nothing left in your hand, you have to, you basically take a turn to, to Patrice. You, you take an action to do what she does in, in drawing five cards at the end of your turn. Or at the beginning of your turn, if, if you spent a bunch of your turns to the Mythos phase tests, you can draw everything back up again. So I feel like it's a really solid resource for other people who want to use Dark Horse and or Cornered. Like somebody like Ashcan, maybe, who would like to do that. Or, I don't know, Wendy, people who have discard outlets, maybe. Who knows? So I also have some trivia about this card. On the Facebook group, people were talking about the fact that Patrice, in her art for her violin, is playing as a right-handed violinist. If you look at where the, uh, the little rest for your uh, neck or head is, chin rest, I guess. It is on the the right of the violin, meaning that she would actually be leaning to the left as a lefty player. So I think that that was more of maybe an oversight with the the art, or maybe they
0: they didn't convey that properly to the person, but maybe it was mirrored in the art. Who knows? Yeah, they probably flipped it left to right, because I, I think you normally, if you have a character, you kind of want them to be moving like left to right. Uh, should we move on to the final card of this pack? The last card in the pack! That was fast. The last card in the pack
2: is yet another ally. He is called the Black Cat. A liar, a prophet, or both. He is a two-cost asset, level five. He commits for two wild symbols. He is an ally, an avatar, and dreamlands. Anytime you reveal a tablet, elder thing, or elder sign symbol during a skill test, you may choose to use the following effects instead of that symbol's normal effects. For a tablet, you can choose minus one. The black cat takes one direct damage. For an elder thing, minus one. The black cat takes one direct horror. For an elder sign, plus five. Heal all damage and horror from the black cat. Guys, we found the way for Finn to succeed will
0: tests. <laughs> Sorry, how, how is this helping Finn succeed on will tests? He'll submit a zero if he has a minus one. <laughs> I think you're forgetting how terrible Finn is at will tests.
2: <laughs> Well, his, there's, like, almost nothing that will allow you to succeed at, like, a 3 or even a 4. Right. Even, like, your Elder Sign doesn't help unless Including you, like... this. Well, this, if you draw your Elder Sign, you get a plus 5. So that would, like, allow you, like, to miraculously succeed at something.
1: Uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think this goes in the uh, Carolyn cat build. I think must exist, Oh, Cat Lady Carolyn! (laughs) Because it heals horror from itself, and she gets money. she
0: can get, like, first aid to heal this if she doesn't get Elder Signs to keep it alive, so she could keep this going for a long time. Oh, and it's a heal card.
1: Not that that matters. You obviously have to use it in combination with foolishness and the extremely horrible weakness, (laughs) but (laughs) for the theme. But, uh, I don't know. It's five experience.
0: That's so much. I guess,
1: like, in Hard and Expert, this could be pretty strong, right? Because the tokens are, like, way worse compared to Standard Easy. And this kind of nullifies a lot of those tokens?
0: It's sort of like what we were saying earlier with the uh the wish eater, only even more so. It's really dependent on what the tablet and elder thing are, because the the elder thing is usually very bad, but also in some campaigns you don't even have one until midway through or until you do some, until you make a specific choice. I mean, yeah, like, these symbols are often really bad, but if those symbols aren't really ruining your day, then it's really not worth having this, right? So I, I feel like maybe it's, like, there's certain campaigns where you know ahead of time what the bag looks like on the last scenario, and you upgrade into this, like, right before the last scenario, and use it, like, just in that scenario or something,
1: maybe.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even in a standalone, it could be okay?
1: Maybe. If you're in like, Forgotten Age, and you're doing the Alejandro Path, where you get tablets, or you're doing the... On your own path, where you get lots of squids or lots of elder things, like this could be kind of great for that to cancel those out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially in Hard and Expert, if you guys recall, those uh, elder things are very bad. Yes, they are. Uh, in some of those <laughs> scenarios. So one
2: thing to note too is that he kind of has a natural synergy with. I'm going to drop the name Father Mateo, oh. because of the fact that he can kind of uh, heal him on demand when he if he wants if he doesn't have anything else to use his elder sign on, which he probably absolutely does then he can plan to, like, use his Elder Sign on uh, the black cat to heal him in a clutch moment for when he's at 2-2 two and two or something like that. Otherwise, eucatastrophe might be a consideration. If you have, like, Yorick and you're cycling eucatastrophes, you can just constantly heal this cat back up for whatever you take. Although Yorick is, is basically the same person who can take both Peter and Jess and already do that.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting point with eucatastrophe, right? Isn't, like, the sweet spot for that, like, you need to be an investigator that, like, when you would fail by 2 or something... Actually, what's he, you actually? You want to like be able to fail by enough that when your elder sign uh, goes off, it'll actually makes you pass. But you want to fail so that you go down to zero and like it's great for York because it's like, oh, he's got a two in skills and he can fail and then elder sign make him pass.
0: Survivors are so weird. This just all seems like so much work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like that the uh the kind of doing a thing where like there's a uh, an ally in like the last pack or next to last pack that's like, oh, it's the you know it's a character from this this campaign. Like we had Anna in the last one. I feel like there might have been something previously than that, but I can't remember. The red gloved man, kind of. I mean, he didn't actually. He didn't actually oh, show up. Right. But he was like a
0: weird. He was like a weird neutral ally that was expensive. You know. Yeah. So this is also like a
2: very powerful effect that we've never seen before, right? Like subbing the any of the co- tokens out for anything. This might have like the potential to make a campaign or a scenario be far less hard. Like I know that Depths of Yoth is a, one of those uh, scenarios where if you do it standalone, uh, you can kind of see how low you can go. And if if the tablets or squids are elder things are specifically bad, then you could take the black cat and kind of circumvent that in a lot of ways. I think it's the skulls that are really bad in that one. But
0: I really do wish that this had like an additional rule where if you, the cultists can be like minus one, you take either a damage or horror, you know, or something like I wish it worked on cultists as well. Yeah. Because cultists are pretty bad off pretty often.
2: Well, flavorfully, this is, this is kind of, and I mean, spoilers for the lore a little bit in, in the lore of the dreamlands, the black cat represents either the, the elder things or the tablets, right? Like
1: which world that he's in or something. I don't know. If sure. the black cat goes and helps like one side or the other, he like adds a good version of that token to that campaign and a bad version of the token to the other campaign or something like that. I guess that's cool. Yeah, no,
0: it's a neat card. Um I think it's it's kind of like an interesting card that would be fun as like a flavor thing at the end of a campaign. And it could be really powerful depending on what the chaos bag looks like. That's kind of my take on this. So those are uh yeah, kind of a kind of a small pack, but uh definitely some powerful cards and some interesting cards.
2: I think a lot of specific investigators received a lot of power, rather than it being like a uh ubiquitously good thing to have. With the exception of Lama and, and uh, Garotwire. I think the rogue cards are definitely like the shining two in this pack that are just like exceptional great cards to to put in decks. But I think that everybody like, like for, for certain builds, like for Dark Horse, you have nothing left to lose now. For Daisy, you have an old book of lore. For Mark, you have Wish Eater and, and Empty Vessel. So there's even more like accessibility in terms of like what, what these specific investigators have for options, which I really like. And this kind of also represents the end of the Dreamlands cycle, right? So in the Dreamlands, your Dreamlands investigators are meeting their their last, the final boss. So these generally are supposed to be bigger cards that, that do more, have more impact. So like there are no level zero cards here, right? Yeah, no. So I'm imagining in the next pack, we're going to see similar things. Everything is going to be like levels two to five or something like that.
0: Probably. Yeah, we'll have to see.
2: So yeah, with all that said, we can wrap this episode up. Listeners, how do you feel about Rogue's new best murder friend, Delilah? Who else is planning on being the youngest mob leader, murdering as Wendy in your upcoming campaigns? Who else is going to try Exodia Mandy and using every single Myriad card available to you in your 50-card Mandy deck size? (laughs) Comment wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at comments at mur.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.
1: Bye. Bye.